it's what we hear all the time from uh, business people, et cetera, is I want my accountant, if I'm inside a company or an organization, or I want my public accountant, I want them to be proactive, I want them to be forward-looking, and I want them to understand my context. Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it's all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. I am your host, Peter Margaritas, the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of my business, The Accidental Accountant. My goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to Improv is No Joke, episode number three. Peter Margaritas here, and thank you very much for tuning in today. I greatly appreciate it. I'm excited about today's conversation with Tom Hood, CEO of the Maryland Association of CPAs and the Business Learning Institute. Before I get to Tom's interview, some quick housekeeping items. I hope you're enjoying this podcast, and I would greatly appreciate it if you would write a review on iTunes. I thank you for your support. Also, if you haven't signed up for the Yes and Challenge, please go to my website, petermargaritas.com and scroll down to the Yes End Challenge and click to register to begin this journey of transformation. And remember to share your experiences on Twitter using the hashtag Yes End Challenge or on the Accidental Accountants Facebook page. I would like to share with you various articles and videos that I come across as it relates to improvisation. This week, I'll point you in the direction of Stephen Colbert's 2006 commencement address at Knox College. As I mentioned in episode zero, this is where Stephen states, yes and is a verb, to yes and, I yes and, you yes and, he, she, or it yes ands. It creates action. I will post a link in the show notes to this video or just Google Stephen Colbert's Commencement Address, Knox College. It is well worth watching. Let's get back to today's guest. If there's a conversation about the future of, a, of the accounting profession, you're bound to hear Tom Hood's name mentioned as one of the people leading the way. Tom is doing as much as anyone, and more than most, to lead public accounting forward. And this is from Accounting Today 2013. Tom helped the CPA profession create its vision not once, but twice. And he is on a mission to help CPAs make sense of the changing and complex world. He believes that leadership, collaboration, learning, and technology can accelerate this transformation. Last year, CPA Practice Advisor inducted Tom into the Accounting Hall of Fame and Accounting Today named Tom as the second most influential leader in their 2015 list of the top 100 most influential people in accounting, his 11th time on this list. He has over 158,000 followers since LinkedIn recruited him as one of their top 150 influencers, 
and he was named to the top 25 influencers in learning by HR Examiner. Tom's recognition and awards reflect his leadership in helping CPAs shape their future through his work as the CEO of the Maryland Association of CPAs and the Business Learning Institute, a center for the development of leadership, strategic thinking, and collaboration skills for CPAs. I know you're going to enjoy this interview with Tom Hood, and here we go. Tom, thank you for taking time out of your extremely busy schedule to spend a conversation with me on my podcast. I I can't thank you enough, and I greatly appreciate it, and welcome to Improv is No Joke. Pete, it's an honor to be here with you, so uh, I'm, I'm excited. It's great to be with you. Prior to uh, us recording this, um, Tom is on the road a lot and traveling throughout the state of Maryland as well as nationally uh, in his role as CEO of the Maryland Association of CPAs and the Business Learning Institute. But he just got back from AICPA Spring Council. And what can you share from that council meeting that this audience who will contain CPAs, what can they take away from what you saw at this at this conference, council meeting, excuse me? I think the council meeting really emphasized a couple of key areas, which I think are are big opportunities or potential disruption, depending on how you look at them. But certainly the the pace, the exponential pace of technology and some of the big changes that that's bringing was an overarching theme. There were several um, key speakers that addressed that area. Related to that is the era of big data. So certainly the what technology is bringing is the need for analytics on lots and lots of data. So there was a big piece of that. Um, the third piece, I think, would get to uh, firm culture and strategy and what firms need to do. And there was a great presentation by Mark Cozio, PCPS, Barry Melanson uh, re- referenced some of that in his keynote. Uh, and then they had a, a deeper dive into the diversity and inclusion initiative. So I would say those were the big, big items going on. Um, it was pretty interesting. It was, it, was a, it was a very good council meeting, I thought. That was what everybody said. What was one of the biggest things, biggest takeaways that you've got from the council meeting? Well, I think it was a sense that people seem to really understand how impactful this exponential pace of technology really is. And, uh, you know, there were some people there that were really, you, you could just hear kind of the, a buzz in the room as they talked about what some of these computers are actually doing. And, and literally there was some talk that, you know, auditing, continuous auditing and the ability to audit 100% of the transactions is not that far in, in the distant future. It actually could be a couple of years away. And that, wow. I think got everybody's attention. Well, I, I never thought about that way, that 100% audit, auditing with cognitive computing could be, actually could occur. Yeah. I mean, they had a guy, uh, one of the last speakers was uh, was from, uh, I don't know if he was directly with IBM. At one point, he was with IBM and the IBM Watson project, and he was talking about all kinds of things that... that um, Watson doing, and and, uh, that is on the heels of the KPMG-Watson deal not too long ago that was announced that really talked about this, you know, the age of cognitive computing. All the big four have similar projects, but literally they were saying that 
they could feed Watson 100% of the contracts in a public company and it could like read them in, in minutes. Um, whereas it would take a team of auditors, you know, forever to try to do that. That is, um, that's a sort of a disruptive uh, business model for the accounting profession. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the notion is, and this is kind of my, you know, so it's funny, Barry had a couple of views on there. There's a, there's a book out right now called Future of the Professions. I don't know if you if it's coming on your radar. I haven't seen it um, yet. Um, it's one of, like Ron Baker, who's one of my buddies, he always, uh, he, he thinks it's one of the best books there is. Anyhow, it's, it's by a, a father's son from England, and they basically talk about the the uh, the end of the professions plural so they talk about legal medical um, accounting architecture any of those and uh, and they paint a pretty dystopian view from that perspective others have have said you know there will all the routine um, basic analytical things that can be rules based a cognitive computer can handle. Uh, but there will still be a judgment and critical things and obviously trust and the emotion side that computers can't do. So, you know, the message I think from all this is we're going to need new skills and we're going to need them faster probably than any of us think. And we're going to need to focus on things that computers can't do. And certainly I think from CPA perspective, you know, the, the trust and the relationship side, it's always been a cornerstone of our profession is an area that we can leverage. But the, the bottom line is that those entry-level things, you know, ticking and tying and, and auditing and, and some of the basics, a lot of that is going to go to the machines. You've been talking about this for quite some time, and you got my attention early on as, a, as it relates to the book, The Second Machine Age. And then mm-hmm. I, I turned you on to the book, Humans Are Underrated, which talks about this cognitive computing. But, but you've been talking about this for a while. How does it feel that, the visionary that you are, that other people are now starting to see what you've been seeing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think, um, I, I don't know that. So I like to say that, you know, it's the, it's the Isaac Newton quote. The reason I can see farther is because I stand on the shoulders of giants. I guess I am fortunate in that, uh, between the folks we work with in the association, people like you that are on our BLI thought leader team, uh, and my, you know, my network with a bunch of thought leaders around the country, you actually do get to see a little further ahead. And I guess it's been my mission to try to help our profession see further, see around the bend a bit so that we don't get disrupted because that's the last thing I want to see happen. So, I mean, it is kind of neat that um, we're starting to see people get get it and begin to say, now what can we do about it? So I, I do think that's kind of cool. That That is kind of cool that they're starting to see this. And, and you were talking about what can we do that computers can't, and it's the three Cs, communicate, collaborate, and be creative. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And, 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 and Jeff Colvin's book, Humans Are Underrated, he said that we are moving to more of a client relationship type of environment. And... I've said this in in a couple of other podcasts, but when I'm speaking at a conference of CPAs, I'll ask them what, 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 what business are they in? And and I'll hear tax, I'll hear auditing, I hear consulting, I hear all of this. And I go, no, 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 that's, that's just a byproduct. And and I'll give them a little bit uncomfortable, but then I'll say, you're in the people business first and foremost. It's the relationships that you build with your staff. And the relationships that you build with your clients and customers keep you in business. That's absolutely right. 
Absolutely right. But the skills that CPAs will need in the future, what additional skills do you think they'll need outside of just some of the basic analytical pieces? Well, I think, you know, it's funny because I was uh, I was talking to um, one of the chief learning officers in in uh, one of the big four just the other day and just kind of asking, you know, him, like, what do they see and what's what are they thinking about? And it's funny, the number one thing that came up from him, which is consistent with all of our research, is strategic thinking. Okay. Right. So because I was talking about the notion of data analytics. So, you know, the, the fact is this whole idea of, of understanding data and and being able to uh, analyze it is critical. But that comes with actually, if you want to add another C to your uh, three C's, it would be context. Context. Yep. Context, because that's what we mean by strategic thinking. Could you give me an example of that? So, you know, so what does context mean? Actually, actually, a good, good friend of mine, Will Abjurakis, who's the chief storyteller at the AICPA, he's the guy that does all their videos. He, he had a quote one day, which I love and I've never forgot, is he said, you know, there's a saying that content is the king. And he mm-hmm. said, if that's true, context is the kingdom. And I love it. Yeah. Because context is what's going on around you, right? So if you think about wisdom, wisdom is really looking at patterns and connecting dots. Okay. And if you think about what makes CPAs valuable in many of the disciplines they are, is that they have this deep understanding of a domain. That's context. And then mm-hmm. if they can connect that domain to another domain's problem and help solve it, now that's even better, right? You right. take you learn from manufacturing and apply it to retail sales, or so the context is really understanding the business and the and the broader environment of the business. It's like what's going on around the business, so that you can understand what part of the data might be really important. So they would. So let's take a CFO. Uh, a CFO would need to truly understand all aspects of the organization, such as sales, customer service, IT, HR, and understand how that that operation runs, not just the financial information or the analytics, but just some of the idiosyncrasies of each department. Would that be along these lines? That's exactly right. I'll give you a great example. This past week, we had our business and industry conference, and we had the vice president of um, strategy and finance from Pixar. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was incredible, right? So he he gets up there and he says, you know, the first thing we do with every accounting person in Pixar is we make them spend a week understanding how movies are made. Nice. And through every step of the process. That's context, right? Right. It's what we hear all the time from uh, business people, et cetera, is, I want my accountant, if I'm inside a company or an organization, or I want my public accountant, I want them to be proactive, I want them to be forward-looking, and I want them to understand my context. So what's my competition like? What am I focusing on? What am I, what's the important parts of this business? And how do I help make that better, right? That's the key. So if you have context and you have domain knowledge, which accounting gives you, then you could start to say, now I could understand what numbers we might need and what numbers might mean. And I could be beginning to dive into that big bowl of, of data 
and make sense of it for people. But it's just teaching or informing the the accountant that the importance of the context. Because when you say, you know, looking forward and, and looking into the future, but if you think about financial reporting, that's all about history. That's about yesterday, not tomorrow. So how do you change that mindset? Well, I think that, I mean, that, that whole piece of moving to the notion of, of windshield and get, get away from that rearview mirror, I mean, that's absolutely critical. By the way, that is the number one reason that clients leave their public accountants is uh, being reactive. The reactive versus proactive is also one of the top challenges we're seeing consistently across the entire accounting CPA domain. You know, I think to your point, uh, Pete, it's, it's about making time for the future and teaching them how to look forward. So, you know, we've been working with uh, this futurist Dan Burris on, on how to start thinking about anticipation, how to understand emerging trends. What can you predict? He has a whole methodology called hard trends to say there are things about the future you can predict. And if you hang your hat on those, the risk goes down and your likelihood of success goes way up. So if we could, you know, CPAs are very logical people. And what we found when we exposed them to this is that they they get bolder because CPAs like dealing with facts. Well, it, the difference is instead of a historical fact, it's a future fact. And suddenly they go, okay, I could get my arms around that. And so that we see them become, become more creative um, and we see them come become more future focused. I think the other thing that I think you said earlier, the idea of creative collaboration and communication is the collaboration piece. And I believe that we're at an age now where the collaboration curve is going to be more important than the experience curve. Yeah, because I've always said the, the collective knowledge inside the, uh, inside the organization is far less than the collective knowledge outside the organization. Exactly. And yet, a lot of CPAs are so busy doing the current stuff that they're not getting outside to do that. Because I keep, I keep thinking about, they're starting to see the light bulbs coming on, uh, the anticipate, anticipatory CPA. That, I mean, anticipating in CPA to me seems like an, oxy, an oxymoron. But I say, what key skill would a, a CPA need to develop in order to, one, be able to look out into the future to accept that there's going to be risk when a lot of us and a lot of people in the profession are very risk adverse. And, and, and three, if I don't do this, I might not have a job or my, I may not have a firm anymore in the not so distant future. So I think it, so there, there's two pieces of that. One is what skills do I need to be future focused? Right. right? And, right. and really See, I think the beauty is the CPA has got the discipline of accounting. They understand business, the language of business. So now it's a matter of saying, what can I be doing to be more predictive and think about what's coming at us instead of just what's happened? So it is a mind shift from that perspective. The next part of it then is how do I understand trends? So the the, um, CPA.com did a future-ready study. uh, Maybe it's been about a year almost two years now, and hired a guy to, to, to basically assess it. And only 8% of CPAs themselves said we're future ready. Now, what does future ready mean? Future ready is the ability to um, predict uh, and adapt to emerging trends and issues in business, social, economic, political, and technology. 
you have to get a knowledge context of what trends are and what they might mean. And you have to begin to say, how am I going to keep my radar uh, longer and wider looking for those? And how do I begin to, to sift and filter those things? And so the answer is you can teach that. Um, and, and when you throw in what Dan Burris's research has been, he uses the discipline of hard trends. He says there's really only three, I guess you could argue four if you add globalization, but technology, demographics, and regulation. So once you, that's the narrow, you know, kind of your scope narrows, mm-hmm. now you can start to dig into those, right? I mean, demographics, <laughs> it's kind of a blinding flash of the obvious, but we all know how old everyone is today. We know how old you'll be tomorrow. Right. Um, right. I got a whole bunch of firms call me up, go, I need more managers. I'm like, well, unless a spaceship lands <laughs> and releases them, they're not there. There's like physically, there's not many of them. And it's a finite resource, right? It's not going to, you can't create a 35 year old in a day. Right. So, you know, but it, it's funny because while you, we laugh at that, how many firms, how many organizations, how many even like governments have not planned school districts because they didn't look at demographics. Correct. So it's, it's like getting it's So there's some, basically there's just some simple things that you can begin to learn. It helps put your head around that stuff. And then you have to get those other skills, um, like creative, right? Like strategic thinking, you have to start to, but you can learn those. And, and we do a bunch of things to teach those. I mean, you're involved in us helping teach some of this stuff to, to CPAs. What, like, what do you see? What's your thinking about that? It's, as, it, as it goes to, well, I'll back up. You, you said something a moment ago about, we know the language of business. And it is a language. It's a language like Japanese. It's a language like Greek. It's a language like Chinese. And most people who are not accountants don't understand our language. I use the example when you say depreciation to a non-accountant, they go, oh, that's the value I lose in my car when I drive it off the new car lot. And the accountant looks at them and goes, no, 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 that's a systematic allocation of an asset over time. And Scooby-Doo comes out. So I, I think one of the things in, in with the audiences that I'm in front of is that we have to become better translators. We have to take the complex language of accounting and put it into a context that our audience can understand first and foremost. Uh, as we are working our way throughout the organization, understanding the different pieces and parts and stuff, we have to get away from accounting speak and speak a simpler more common language uh, uh, in order to increase the understanding. Uh, that being one. Number two, you know, I, I have a course, How to Dump Sally, same as last year, and find a new creative okay. way. And I will ask one of the first questions, how many in this room feel that you're creative? I might get a hand or two, but then I go, okay, let me rephrase that. How many in this room have ideas? And all of a sudden, all these hands come up. And I said, basically, everyone in this room is creative because they have ideas. What's stopping those ideas from coming out of your head on the paper, there's the roadblock from creativity. It's the ability to get bad ideas because they lead to good ideas. No ideas lead to nothing and creating a culture that allows that, whereby taking that inner critic that we have and silencing that inner critic during brainstorming but then bringing the inner critic out during an innovation process where we're going to look at these ideas and see which ones work and which ones are, you know, are, are bad ideas. Yeah. Um, I, 
I think from that point, it's just one, getting them to the point that they, they do see themselves as creative. And in um, Creative Confidence by Tom Kelly, he, in his book, he mentions about the best way to become creative is to think that you're creative. Exercise that creativity muscle. So when someone tells me, yes, but I can't do that or, or gives me a reason, I, 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 the improv guy comes to me comes and says, yes, and here's why you should be doing this. Yes, and don't stop yourself. Continue to learn. Push yourself. Open up, open up other opportunities. The more and more that I'm out there in front of this audience, I'm starting, I'm starting to see the light bulb go on uh, and as evidenced by their reaction and them embracing these ideas, as well as seeing class sizes increase. I'm seeing a change. It's it's a slow change, but I think that's the part that worries me a tad bit. It's a slow change, and I think this change needs to speed up for the good of the profession. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would completely agree with, with you on that notion. I mean, you know, the, the, let's face it, we're we are dealing with this idea of exponential change, so. That's the, I think that's what, you know, you're talking about. And that's what I certainly worry about. So I think, you know, while I had hope from this AICBA conference that I started to see things happening from that perspective, people really focusing on this, this pace, I, I think, you know, as a profession, we've always been able to adapt. Um, the question is, can we speed it up a bit to catch up with this and then get, you know, get a handle on it, Right. Right. The other side that I, I think about is, you know, I, the accounting programs out there are, are full of students and they're coming into the profession. But I'm thinking about that that sophomore accounting student at whatever university, by the time they graduate, what we've taught them in the classroom, will it even translate to the work environment? Well, they're already talking about that. I mean, I think, you know, the they're saying that you're at a point now where in half-life of a college degree literally is going to be two or three years. And uh, literally by the time you start college, what you learn will be completely obsolete by the time you graduate from college. Exactly. And and even though what they do teach us in, at the university gives us a, a somewhat of a foundation of accounting, understanding balance sheets, income statements, debits, credits, all of that, and helping us pass the CPA exam. It, it falls short on some of these other skill sets that we're saying that CPAs need that really should be part of the accounting curriculum. Absolutely. I think, I mean, I think there is some movements to try to change that from an academia perspective. And then the other part, quite frankly, Pete, is that the employers are going to have to pick up the pace too, because um, it's going to take a while for education higher ed to adjust. And so what that means is you're going to need to make up for that gap inside your firm and your company. Yeah, but having spent some time in higher uh, higher ed and academia, I know they can turn a battleship on a dime. Uh, mm-hmm. And it is a, they're not quick to change. So yeah, it is going to fall on the employer. And I guess the next, my next thought as it relates to that is hopefully that employer, whether it's a firm or an organization having to provide uh, learning in these new skill sets, that they look at this as an investment in the organization, not a cost of doing business. Right. It's true. 
Because when we look at it as a cost of doing business or, you know, you're talking demographics, as you well know, uh, millennials have outnumbered us now in the workplace. And there's no way that we're going to be number one. Uh, CNBC, I believe last year, late last year, said that millennials add over $2 trillion to GDP in the U.S. So we've got this huge force coming in. Well, excuse me, I, I take that back. We have that huge force that's here and now that we need to begin to adapt to that and provide that investment because studies have shown if you invest in your people and give them what they need and, and maybe now give them a, a, maybe a little bit bigger voice within your organization, they're not going to leave. But the the tag on millennials are, well, they're just going to leave in a few years, so why should I you know, provide them the skills and they're just going to take it someplace else? I think yeah. that's, I think that's uh, out-of-date thinking. There's no question. I mean, I think it's the old, uh, if we train them, they'll, they'll leave, and, and the corollary is, what if we don't train them and they stay? stay. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think we have, as a profession, a lot on our plate. Uh, to look at and to be prepared for because, as you said, things are moving in such a rapid manner versus, you know, I remember when I had an eight-track player, then it went to a cassette player. It just seemed, but now we're going quicker, faster. What did I read the other day? Uber is looking at uh, purchasing driverless cars for their fleet in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's it's real and it's in in front of us. Uh, any other thing? Any other big takeaway that you you got out of uh, out of council? I mean, I think you know the other part is I think that there were certainly the AICPA, many state societies, other groups. So I think that you know the beauty is there is there is as a profession we are starting to work on it and think about it. So there are some resources that people are working on and. Uh, and trying to help facilitate this. I saw the Institute basically make a, a call for leadership saying we need, you know, people in council to be leaders and help guide this profession uh, through this big giant shift change. And um, so that gives me hope when I see that kind of yeah. stuff. Well, uh, you can pass this along to Barry being a former council member and really see this issue. I'm willing to help out in any which way I can. Awesome. Well, I think, you know, right now they've got, they're, they're rolling out like their own kind of resource type things around this stuff. But I think the bottom line is uh, spreading the message, training people in the new skills, some of those kind of things that you're already doing, Pete, is, is the kind of stuff that we need to keep doing. Well, I, 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 I thank you and I thank BLI for the opportunities to put me in front of a, a wide variety of audiences and I'll keep carrying the flag. I hear you. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So not to take up too much more of your time, but I, I something I just instituted that um, I, I don't remember. Tom, are you a golfer? Uh, not a good one. Not a good, so we should play because I'm, <laughs> I'm not a good one either. But th th this morning I was uh, watching uh, some old episodes of David Faraday's show on the Golf Channel. I love Faraday. But he, he was interviewing Nick Saban and... and he did a rapid fire segment where he asked them these questions just to kind of, you know, get to know the, the, the personal side of the individual, which I thought was really fun. So I'd like to do a, a quick 10 question rapid fire session with you. So maybe we get a, 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 a different perspective or get to know you just a little bit better. Are you up for that? I'm up for it. Okay. Well, you a little, little, little nervousness in the voice there for a second. <laughs> uh, first one is Jimmy Fallon or Johnny Carson? 
Uh, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. That's a tough one for me because I'm an old Carson fan, but I tell you, Fallon has really done well. Yeah. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens or the Washington Redskins? Uh, definitely the Ravens. The Ravens. Bruce Springsteen or Pearl Jam? Pearl Jam. I, I was hoping, just so the audience knows, when was it, a, a year or so ago, that you went to Seattle and saw Pearl Jam in concert? Yep, yeah, it was... It was uh, yeah, it was about a year and a half ago. Yeah, and and I'm still jealous about that. <laughs> Very incredible. And my son, my oldest son, he took me, so it was, it was fun. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I'd pay dearly to, to have that experience in Seattle with Pearl Jam. Um, what's your favorite type of meat? Favorite type of meat would have to be uh, ribeye steak. Oh, okay, it sounds good. Uh, here's a tough one. Microsoft Excel or your fingers? <laughs> Microsoft Excel. <laughs> and, 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 that was much. Yeah, and and I, I back to a little bit of our conversation. I truly believe that Excel won't exist too much longer if cognitive computing takes over the way it looks. That's true. It could be a very different world. Yeah. You're exactly right. Uh, being the technology guy that you are, Facebook or Periscope? Uh, Facebook Live. How about that? Oh, Facebook Live. Now, I think it's going to replace Periscope. Have Have you dabbled in Periscope? I have. And your thoughts on Periscope? Uh, I mean, I love Periscope. I think it, it's uh, you know it's it's the Twitter platform. But we just did a live broadcast to our student group about becoming a CPA on Facebook Live, and it was really smooth. And um, that's why I picked Facebook from that standpoint. Wow. I'll have to look into that because um, yeah. I'll check that out. I haven't, haven't seen Facebook Live, but uh, that's that's after we hang up, that'll be the next thing I do. Same uh, basic idea. What is your favorite movie? God, favorite movie. Mm, that'd be a tough one. Actually, it might be Gettysburg. Oh, Nice. Nice. I'm a history buff, and, and I love the you know kind of story behind that. I thought they did a good job developing the, the people and the characters. Are, are you a, 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 you say you're a history buff. Are you a broad history buff or Civil War history buff? It's, it's a little bit of both. I mean, when you're in, in Maryland, you're in the middle of uh, most of the major battles of the Civil War, so it's been part of my you know kind of upbringing forever. So uh, that's, a, that's a definitely special area. But like, you know, we got Fort McHenry here. So we're immersed in a lot of history right here in the Maryland area. So that's what I think must have driven that. You know, as kids, you always end up going to these battlefields and stuff as a family trip to do stuff. So yeah, that's, that's cool. Uh, what's the one song that gets you motivated when you need to pick up some energy? What, what, would, you, what would you play on your uh, iPhone? I mean, I got a whole bunch of them. Uh, these are like we call them like our arena songs, right? So, right. Um, one of my favorites really would be um, "Living on the Edge" by Aerosmith. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, what would another one be? You said you have a, a whole a bunch of these. I mean, um, I like. Uh, well, I like uh, what's it? Uh, Kristen Chenoweth on um, "I I Was Here," so kind of a you know why song from a. Heck of a lady vocalist. Um, that would probably be another good one. Um, fight song is another good one that's kind of more modern. So I, I, mean, I love. I'm just kind of very eclectic. I like got a whole bunch of them. But that would be those would be some of those uh, those uh, cool ones that get, kind of get you going. Leonard Skinner's always fun for some of those uh, 
pump up songs as well. I I I need to think about because when somebody asked me that question, my my number one go to is Badlands by Bruce. Uh, but when you threw out Skinner, uh, I, I can think of a few there that uh, get me motivated as well. And the last question. Name one item that's still on your bucket list. One item is still on my bucket list. It, well, it would definitely be probably a, a, a great trip to Italy. That would be my bucket list. Oh, I would highly suggest that. My wife and I went, uh, it's been about seven years ago, and absolutely fell in love in Italy. So I would, yeah. I would, I would suggest that you move that up to the top of your bucket list and go. I might get some tips from you when I do it, so uh, that's pretty cool. Oh, please do, because uh, we st- we still have a lot of stuff from there, and uh, just absolutely enjoyed the two weeks that we we spent in Italy. And, and we're Greek, and um, we have said it's be a hard choice whether we go back to Greece or go to Italy. We were just so enthralled by the Italian people. Interesting. That's pretty cool. Well, Tom, I can't thank you enough for taking time uh, to spend with me on this podcast. Uh, I Once again, I greatly appreciate it, and thank you so very much. Well, I love being on here with you, so it was awesome. Thanks a bunch, Pete, and good luck on the show. Thank you. What an insightful interview with Tom Hood. Tom has been talking about the upcoming change in the accounting profession due to the exponential change in technology for many years. Remember when Tom said, what we as a profession need to do is to become more visionary by predicting and adapting to emerging trends and issues in business, social, economic, political, and technology. This is something that can be taught. Then throw in Dan Burris's research where he uses the discipline of hard trends where there are really only three hard trends, technology, demographics, and regulation. By doing this, we can become more of the trusted business advisor that our organizations and clients need. Now let's think about what Tom just said and how it relates to improvisation. What I heard was that listening with our eyes and ears will help us adapt quicker to the emerging trends. As we adapt, We must have trust in our experiences and our knowledge so that we can advise our organizations in a way that we can be that trusted business advisor for them. Along with maintaining focus to the changing environment will help us be better prepared for any uncertain risk that might come our way. If you like this episode, please go to iTunes and write a review. I'm always trying to learn, grow, and become better at everything that I do, and your feedback is important to me. And remember to sign up for the Yes and Challenge on my website, petermargaritas.com. Thank you again for taking time to listen to this podcast. I really value every audience member. In episode four, I interview Ed Mendelowitz, who's a partner at Witham, Smith, and Brown. Have a great day. Bye now.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.